0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. I'm starting a two-day teaching on the subject of marriage, the origin of marriage, where it began. With all the confusion we have on marriage today and what it's supposed to be, we're coming back to the author of marriage, and that's the Lord himself, how he made marriage, and how it's supposed to be carried out in our lives as Christians. Let's go to the Word of God
1: together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back to Student of the Word. We're so glad to have you here today. I'm gonna be teaching today and possibly into tomorrow on the subject of the origin of marriage. And uh, I've taught things like this before, but today we're living in a day where marriage is just really messed up. And not only our country, but in the world, it seems like they're heading more and more toward what uh, we would call perversion, the Bible would call perversion or just outright sin. And we wanna come back to who you know, ordained marriage in the first place and why God ordained it and why it's so important today. And to be honest with you, God hasn't changed. Uh, I was talking to one girl one day and she was telling me all about, you know, that uh, the stuff, you know, the new stuff, all the new stuff coming out about, you know, uh, we're not just men and women, we're everything in between also and went on and on. And she asked me what I believed and of course, because she knew I was a minister and I told her what the Bible said. She said, I don't believe that. She said, how do you know you're right? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. All the things you're talking about, when does all this come about? And when did we start finding out these things and learning about them and now trying to teach them? And she told me, you know, and and I said, has it changed since then? Oh, yeah. She said, we're always finding new things. I said, the Bible's never changed. You know, if you're changing, that means either means you were wrong then and now you're right, or you were right then and now you're wrong. I said, that's why you changed, but the Bible's never had to be changed in all the years it's been written. I said, because the truth stands. You ever notice this, we tell people, well, he told the truth and she told a lie. You know what that means? It simply means as far as lies are concerned, there's a number of lies and almost an infinite number of lies you can bring out on a subject, but there's only one truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so it comes back to the word of God. It is the word of God, not a word of God. And so we're coming back today to talk about the origin of marriage, what the Word of God has to say about it. And so I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to get there in just a moment. And I'm going to be teaching out of my book on marriage called One Flesh. And the announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have a copy of this for yourself. You'll be blessed by it. And uh, in here is what I'm teaching and much, much more instruction toward children, uh, sexual instruction toward children, what the Word of God has to say about sex and just lots of great things in this book. And like I said, the announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have a copy of this for yourself. Heard a joke one time, woman went to heaven, and so she stood there in front of Peter, and he's at the front gate, and I don't know where we all got all this stuff about Peter at the front gate, but anyway, Peter was at the front gate, and she stood there, and uh, Peter said to her, he said, you know, we'll let you into heaven, but you have to answer two questions. Very simple questions. Question number one, did you accept Jesus Christ in your lifetime when you were on earth? And she said, yes, I did. He said, fine, next we have to ask you a Bible question. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He said, can you spell the word Love. And she said, L-O-V-E. And he said, yes, see how simple that was? And she said, well, yeah. So he said, listen, uh, you know, you came right at my lunch hour. I'm getting ready to have a break for lunch. Would you sit here in my place and do what I just did for you? And ask, you know, ask if they have received Jesus, ask them that simple Bible question, and then let them on in. He said, I should be gone for about a half hour. I'll be right back. And she said, well, okay. So she took his seat. He went on in. And the first person to come up there was her ex-husband. And it was kind of a cold reception between the two. And so they both looked at each other and she said, well, I have to ask you two questions. And uh, the first question is, did you receive Jesus Christ in your lifetime as your Lord and Savior? He says, of course I did. You were there when I did it. I accepted Jesus. She said, okay, I have to ask you another question, a Bible question from the word of God. She said, "Uh, for God so loved the world. Can you spell Czechoslovakia? So... Let's get to the word of God and I'll let you quit laughing on that one. But again, let's take a look because uh, at the first wedding, uh, it recorded in the Bible in the actual description of the wedding. There was weddings in the Old Testament, but this is the one that went into more detail because it was the first place that Jesus performed a miracle. He had just been baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And now he goes and after going to the uh, uh, to be tempted of the devil, he now comes and performs his first miracle. And the first miracle is at a wedding. Isn't that interesting? Jesus put his stamp of approval on men and women getting married and even performed a miracle there to show that really, honestly, marriage is a miracle. It's two people coming together. And at this particular case, he turned water into wine. So marriage is an example of the new birth, becoming one with Jesus Christ. The two become one as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, and the two become one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are three separate beings, but they work together as one. The Father always plans. Well, whatever's gonna happen, God makes the plan for it. The Son is the one that executes the plan and the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the plan. And whether that is creation, God the Father thought of creation, Jesus Christ executed uh, the the, uh, creation, all things were made by him and for him. And the Holy Spirit is the one that revealed it and wrote it in the word of God. The same thing is true with redemption. God the Father planned. God the Father planned the plan of redemption. Jesus Christ went to the cross and executed the plan. And the Holy Spirit has come to us through the word of God and given us the revelation of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, making us available to become one in the family of God. So the two become one in marriage as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are even three separate beings, but work together as one. A Christian marriage is more of a miracle than it is just two people joining together. It's like two pots of water. In that case, remember where they brought the pots of water and Jesus said, bring the pots of water? He, They did. And when they opened them up, they had now become wine. God's supernatural power, power came in. There is no marriage the Lord cannot restore. When the Lord brings this out, he simply brings out that when two people are born again, that God can work in them to restore the marriage back and even make it better than it was before. So again, there's no marriage the Lord cannot restore. I've heard people say this before, well, you know, God put us together, but the Bible says what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. We're not sure God brought us together. So we think it's all right to put it asunder. We think it's our right for us to get a divorce. Now, there are biblical reasons for divorce, but believe me, they are rare. And on the other side of it, it still can be worked out. Again, there is no marriage the Lord cannot restore. David and Bathsheba are a great example of this. David and Bathsheba committed adultery. She got pregnant. David murdered her husband. The child that was born died. They lived for a year lying to everybody. David brought her in, making it look like since her husband was killed in battle that David was bringing her in to take care of this wonderful pregnant woman. I'm sure the women were swooning all over town thinking how wonderful the king was and they didn't know the story behind it. And so again, but they ended up having a tremendous marriage. God turned that marriage around. And if God could turn that marriage around, listen, you couples that are watching and thinking about a divorce, if God could turn those around, listen, there were no two people more undeserving for each other, undesirable for each other. And on top of that, against God's will, David was already married. Bathsheba was already married. He committed adultery with her. She committed adultery with him. David murdered her husband for all these reasons. They were not right for each other, yet they still got married, and God still turned that thing around and made a successful marriage out of it. So don't tell me God can't turn your marriage around. She ended up being the virtuous woman of Proverbs chapter 31. Solomon wrote about her in Proverbs 31, and he was writing about his mother Bathsheba. When Loretta and I married, our marriage uh, testimony was simply this. Our meeting was supernatural. I mean, from the moment that I saw her, my sister called me on the phone. I was at Oklahoma State University and said, your wife just joined the choir today here at church. And I told her to shut up and mind her own business. I can choose my own wife. Thank you. But when I got back that weekend and saw her, I thought the same thing. She's going to be my wife. She said the same thing later when she talked to me. When she first saw me, she said, that's going to be my husband. We knew it inside of ourselves, yet we still had huge troubles. We had pride problems. Each one of us had pride problems. It's almost like if God throws us together, then everything's gonna work out all right. No, I'm simply telling you, God did put us together and we had a lot of things to work out in our own life. And for almost 10 years, we had marriage problems, even thought about divorce after 10 years. Our problems were pride. And we wouldn't change ourselves. I kept trying to change her and she kept trying to change me and things just got worse. But finally, we sat down after 10 years with our pastor and went through a counseling session. And that's where the turnaround occurred. And what he simply told us was you're trying to take from each other. You need to put into each other. Quit trying to take her and make her like you. You start listening to what she has to say and start making yourself like her. And with her, she start making herself like me. Each one of us had to commit to the other, not make the other commit to me. And she do the same thing. We really started listening to each other. That's when our calling came in. And that was both of us had heard and knew from the Holy Spirit that I would be the pastor of the church. Not only just a teacher at Rama, but I became the pastor of the church we did not understand the uniqueness of the man and the woman among creation, the uniqueness of woman in the relationship and the reason for marriage. And so again, marriage is designed to be a joy and a refuge in life for Christians and for non-Christians alike. I trust you found Ecclesiastes by now and take a look with me at verse nine. We're gonna take a look at chapter nine, verse nine. And here it says, live joyfully with a wife whom you love all the days of your life. I want you to notice it's a command. You know what a command is? It's a choice. He says, now live joyfully. You have to decide to live joyfully with the wife, whom you love all the days of your vain life. Now, this again is addressed to everybody, but especially in Ecclesiastes, the sinners, telling them that your life may not have any point to it. You may not know what eternity is going to hold, but until you die, at least you can have one thing. You can have a good marriage. So live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun, all your days of vanity, emptiness. Even if life is empty, you can have one refuge to come to, and that is a good marriage for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun simply bringing this about to what it says is that you can have a good marriage and marriage, even if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it can be a happiness in life. And I've seen so many movie stars and athletes and stuff that did not accept Jesus as Savior, admitted they didn't know much about God, but did admit that God, that they had been sent a wonderful woman or a wonderful man in life. And that one died before they did. And they really mourned them because they said that person was wonderful to me. So God created man and woman, and then he created marriage also. And the purpose of marriage is for happiness in this unhappy world. Because if you in, in Ecclesiastes especially, when uh, Solomon was writing the book, he, I mean, this was a time during carnality of his life. And he simply wrote about that without the joy of the Lord in your life, life is nothing more than a series of events. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, the waves come in, the waves go out. And life is simply that way. And there's good days, bad days. And he simply points out in the book that life is dull and boring without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then suddenly life begins to make sense. So again, like I've been telling you, these things are found in my book on One Flesh. And the announcer's gonna come on and tell you how you can have a copy of it. And then I'd like to also admonish you before the break comes if you're not a partner with me, why not? If you've been watching this broadcast for some time but have not become a partner with me, would you? So why not go ahead and just become a partner? And uh, whenever you have a chance after this broadcast is over, go to my website, BobYandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And I thank you in advance for helping me to get the truth of the word of God out there. I'll see you right after the break.
1: Many couples marry with the mental image of fireworks and smooth sailing only to discover that's not how things work. Marriage isn't as depicted in fiction, songs, or movies. Falling in love and living happily ever after requires a lot of hard work and give and take. Everything doesn't fall into place. Knowledge and willingness to work on it make a strong and secure marriage. If you will apply yourselves to wisdom and understanding, the end rewards are wonderful. One Flesh will help you avoid some of the pitfalls. Even for those who have been married a long time and feel there is no hope of redeeming their marriage, it is never too late, and God will redeem the time. To order One Flesh, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification.
0: Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter one. We're gonna take a look at three verses in Genesis one. We're gonna take a look at verse one, verse seven and verse 25, because I wanna bring out to you two Hebrew words talking about God creating the universe, the earth, and then all that's on the earth. And there's just simply two Hebrew words. Verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Hebrew word for created is the word bara, B-A-R-A, and it means to make something or to create something out of nothing. And only God can create something out of nothing. But with the something he created, which was raw material in verse seven, it says, and God made the firmament and divided the water which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And and it was so. This word is asah. The first word for create, to create something out of nothing, was bara. But this word, asah, means to make from existing material. So God supernaturally created out of nothing the existing material. Then from the existing material, he made. He made the atmosphere. He divided the waters above, which was the uh, which was the clouds from the firmament under the waters. And that was the seas. And from, he divided those from again, the firmament. And it was so. So he took the oceans and put them here and he divided it by the air that was in between, and the air in between separated the oceans down here, which was the waters from also the clouds up here, which was waters also. But notice that God made these things. Look at verse 25. It says in verse 25, and God made, here's the same word again, saw. He made out of existing materials, the beast of the earth, according to their kind. God created out of nothing, the raw material called dirt. And from that dirt, God began to make all these other things. He created the, the uh, form of the, the essential to make everything. And then from that, he did make everything. But he created it out of nothing. Because when God looked at the universe out there, there was nothing out there. He spoke it and it came into being. But what he spoke into being was raw material. And that's where he began to form man's body. That's when he began to make fish from the water. And he made the animals from the ground. He made the birds from the air. All the elements that were here that God created. Created, he now made out of that creation material that God made. He now began to create the animals that were around him and make the animals that were around him. And also man was, this was done later for man. I heard a story one time and there was a, uh, there was a scientist and he challenged God. He said, we have now come up with artificial intelligence. We are now doing all these things. And he says, we have become gods in and of ourselves. And he then challenged God to a test. He said, God, I challenge you to a test. I'm gonna challenge you and show you I'm just as smart as you are. And God said, what are you gonna do? He says, I'm gonna create just like you do. I'm gonna make just like you do. And God said, go ahead, you start first. So the scientists went out of the room and came back in with a gigantic mountain of dirt. And God said, no, 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 get your own dirt. You see, God had to create the elements man even uses today. And man brags about the fact he can do this, but he has to have this. He can do this, but he has to have that. In other words, man might be able to take the things around him and make things together and put them together, but he can't create. Only God can create. And this is what happened. So literally God created Barah, the universe and the earth from nothing by his simple spoken word, the word of his mouth. God then made Asa from what he created, the raw materials. He made the atmosphere, he made the vegetation, he made the fish, he made the birds and the animals, but he created the raw material to begin with. God gave animals life. The life of the animal was a soul, but no spirit. And so they have a temporary life. And by having a soul, they have soulish tendencies. I, people often argue with me, animals have no souls. The answer is yes, they do. Because in the soul is your mind, your thinking, and your, your intentions, and your personality. Don't tell me that dogs don't have a personality and cats don't have a personality. I mean, I think it's interesting that oftentimes I've seen people, they say, I don't know why we got this dog. Man, it just barks all the time. It's got a temperament like we don't like. If you go to buy the dog, you know, from somebody that, you know, has just had a litter of them, the best thing to do is tell them what kind of dog you want. I'm the one that likes the dog that'll sit beside me or that lay beside me and they're quiet and all that. And that's what I would ask for. And that's, again, listen, the person that's been raising them for the past few weeks will go, that's the one you want right over here, because they all have different personalities. But the point of it is they have a temporary life because they don't have spirits. Souls are temporary in animals, but spirits are eternal inside of human beings. Though That means our soul attached to the spirit is forever too. We'll still think it. In heaven, have a personality in heaven, but we are eternal because God has given us a spirit. Man has a soul and a spirit. Animals only have souls and they're temporary. Man became a living soul, which is eternal. And God is simply saying here that whether the man knows Jesus Christ as savior, whether he's a Christian or not, you are still an eternal being. And if you know Jesus Christ, you'll spend eternity when you die in heaven with the Lord. If you don't, you'll spend it in hell and eventually the lake of fire forever and forever. So mankind, whether again, born again or not, whether not saved or not, is an eternal being. So in six days of creation in Genesis chapter one, we have in verses one through five that God created light. That's day one. And then in verses six through eight, we have day two. And this is where God created and made the heavens and the clouds. And then in verse uh, nine through 13, on day three, he made dry lands and he made the plants. In verses 14 through 19, we have day four, he made the sun and the moon. And in verses 20 through 23, this is day five, he made the fish and the birds. And then on day six, verses 24 and 25, he made animals and he made man. And he saved man for the last. People have often say, why did he make man last? He made all this stuff first and finally at the end of the sixth day, he made man. Why did he wait till then? So man couldn't help. If he'd have made him on the first day, man would always be interrupting, go, wait, 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 I have a better idea. God did everything so that when man was placed here as the last bit of creation and making, he did. And placed man there, then man had nothing to do. Basically, everything was done for him. Everything was provided. God did give him a job, but as far as making and creating or having an input on all that, God had already done it. So, God makes and creates man and woman also. Those two words we had, that word asa, which means to make something out of something, and then create, bara, to make something out of nothing, was used for the man and the woman. God did it originally and then made everything around. But then he did it again on the last day, whenever he made the man and the woman. And this is found in verse 26 and verse 27. So take a look there with me, if you would. And we're going to find those words appearing again. In verse 26 of Genesis chapter one, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. The word here is asah, to make from existing materials. So God took existing materials and made man in his image. And so the word asah again means to make out of something, make out of existing material. And this is what God did whenever he took the dirt and he made man's body out of it. And then later breathed into him the breath of life which was the spirit of man. So in verse 26, it says again, and God said, let us make man in our image. I want you to notice the word us. Even from the very beginning, even in the opening verses, now to here to verse 26 and 27, it took the entire Godhead as far as creation is concerned. God the Father is the one who spoke it. Jesus Christ is the one who executed what God had spoken, and the Holy Spirit reveals it here through the written word of God that Moses wrote here in the book of Genesis. So with all that in mind, let's continue on these verses of scripture. And God said, let us make Asa, out of existing materials, man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Something different happened when God made man, as opposed to animals. Animals did not have dominion over the earth and over dominion over the other types of uh, creatures that were here on the earth, man did. It goes on to say in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And three times in a row in verse 27, we have the word bara, to uh, create out of nothing. And so God created man in his image, he created him and then male and female, he created them. What God did was first of all, he made man. He took the dust of the earth and he made like a statue and he molded it and shaped it and everything else. And as soon as that was done, then God created man and created woman at the same time. And he breathed into them. It says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. And notice this male and female, he created them inside of Adam, who had just been made, God brought him to life, but when he brought him to life by breathing into him, he breathed into him also the woman. The spirit of woman was inside of Adam at that time. This doesn't mean he was weird. Doesn't mean he was bisexual. He carried her inside of himself for some time. It wasn't until later on, days and days and days, weeks, maybe even uh, many, many months after that, God took a rib out of him and made the body out of existing material, asah. He made the woman woman and brought her back to the man, but her spirit had already been created. Inside of him was them, and he carried her for some time. This is why he was called being alone, but he wasn't lonely. Whenever God had him name the animals, they always came by twos, and Adam was by himself, but Adam could not be lonely. Inside of himself, he was complete and he wasn't incomplete until God removed the spirit of the woman outside of him and then made a body for her and then brought the two back together. She was always inside of him, and this is why in marriage that the two coming together complete each other. Adam was suddenly incomplete when he he woke up and that rib had been taken from him and also the spirit of the woman had been taken out of him. He suddenly woke up and was incomplete until he saw the woman. And he looked at her and thought, man, I have been naming animals two by two coming up to me all this time and I've been by myself. Boy, she doesn't look like an elephant. She doesn't look like a cow. She is the most incredible creature I've ever seen. And I personally think that the reason why God made her last was so that Adam would, couldn't you know he wouldn't uh, if he'd had her in the beginning he never would have got around to naming animals. but God waited till he had finished naming all the animals, then gave her to him and this is where marriage came at that time. So verse 27 says again of Genesis chapter one so God created out of nothing man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him again, Barah, and male and female, he created them. And this is where they were placed inside of Adam. When we come back tomorrow, we're gonna take up from this very same spot. We're gonna talk about how that man's body was made by God from the ground, just like the animals, but also how that he placed the spirit inside of Adam of his own spirit and her spirit. And this came from the breath. He breathed into them the breath. And the Hebrew says he breathed the breath of lives, plural, into them. Got a lot of good things coming tomorrow. I will see you then.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com.